0: On today's episode of Smarter Building Materials Marketing, we talk about a very timely topic about China, trade wars, the global economy, and how it all relates back to building products. We bring on an excellent guest today who specializes in manufacturing in China. And what does it all mean for manufacturers, regardless of if you actually import or work with China in any capacity, and how it's all going to translate to building products. It's a really good show, and I'm looking forward to diving into it with you. With that, let's get into the episode.
1: Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff.
0: All right, everybody. Welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikoloff, and today we're actually recording in the same room.
1: Same room.
0: I know. Most people don't know this, but Beth actually lives... Far, far away. Far, far away in Europe. And, but we're in Boulder, Colorado today at Mark Mitchell's Wizard Summit. Um, shameless plug for that event. It's great. Yeah, but we have an awesome topic today. We're going to be talking about a bit of a, a hot topic right now. We're going to be talking about supply chain, the global economy, as well as China. We have David Harris, who is actually halfway across the world in Australia. He's not Australian, but he is Canadian. Right from North America, that's right, and we're really excited to have you on the show. So welcome to the show, David.
2: Yeah, thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to uh, to be here. I've I've started following the show, and uh, and I really enjoy the content. So happy to
0: happen to have a chance to to chat. And David, you reached out to me online. I think you might have started listening to the podcast, and you said, "Hey, you're okay." <laughs> but Beth is great. Something like that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, I'm kidding. I'm sure that's not true. But maybe for our listeners, you can give us a little bit of background into your story and how you made it into building products.
2: Thanks for that opportunity. Um, Yes, uh, Beth is great. I've been in China for about 17 years. So I grew up just north of Toronto in Canada and, and I had an early sort of venture over to Asia, started in Japan, And then found my way into China in around 2002. And at that time in China, obviously, just post the WTO entry, the country was really growing at a phenomenal rate. I found myself in a city called Shenzhen, uh, which has emerged as sort of the leading high-tech hardware capital in the country. And being sort of in my 20s and had some experience in marketing and business development, I found myself with an enormous amount of opportunity and and work. So I I worked in manufacturing, which was obviously a a cornerstone of the economy there, both in consumer electronics and in and in a number of different product categories. And, And about 12 years ago. I was approached by a company that was developing a new building product technology. They asked me to help them to sort of map out the ecosystem in China, because I'd already spent about seven or eight years on the ground there, understand who the stakeholders were to bring that building product technology to the market and also to set up manufacturing for that product in the market. And so through that relationship, I sort of got involved in building products, originally with cement concrete, so construction materials, cement concrete that have been moving into tiles, bricks,
0: blocks, walling systems, panels, and, and a full range of building products. So David, you have quite a bit of experience in China and the US, and this is a bit of a, like I said at the intro, a, a hot buzz topic, and there mm-hmm. are some pretty heated opinions about it. I'd love mm-hmm. to just you know kick us off by asking the question of what kind of impact do you see you know, regardless of the of the tension and tariffs and things of that nature between China and U.S., like what kind of impact do you foresee long term on building products, or not just in the U.S. but across the the global economy? Like, what do you see that's going to be happening down the road? Yeah, I, I
2: think if you are well, there's a couple of sides to that story. Obviously, if you're a manufacturer in China, then there's very clear evidence that they've been hit by a decrease in exports, and and that's something that. Is is certainly hurting. And these manufacturers are doing a number of things to try and address that. And and some of those include, well, just tightening up their own supply chains, trying to reduce costs, obviously, but but also looking at developing, you know, supply chains in other markets that don't have that same what you might call geopolitical or international trade risk. And so they are developing, you know, their manufacturing bases outside of Mainland China. So so. there's some real disruption, I think, occurring in those supply chains from a manufacturing perspective. And in the US or in other building products for the importers, you're seeing obviously an increase in cost. And I think a lot of those increases, actually those impacts haven't been felt yet. I suspect that they're going to be felt within the next couple of months here as we approach. If you can imagine that the real increase in tariffs occurred in May. And so those costs don't really get passed along from manufacturers to their suppliers for a month or two. And then you've got sort of that trickle through effect. And I suspect that the real impact on the sort of the retail customers, if you will, won't be felt until probably December. So so the impacts from the building materials importers perspective, are, I think are, are yet to really be felt. And it's not just pure sort of cost because the product cost where the tariff really lies is only a part of the whole calculation. But you've also got the fact that manufacturers will accept payment terms you may get net 30 net 60 net 120 days as far as i understand the customs agency in the united states won't take that so there's sort of a cash flow impact as well that importers are going to be that are going to be feeling but overall as far as the long term trend i suppose that depends on your macro view is this really just an oscillation which is a reaction against Globalization that's going to, or perhaps an overreaction against globalization that will correct, is the cost of trading between China and the US something that is now unsustainable because the cost base in China has increased or because of that geopolitical or that that international trade risk? or is this in fact sort of a great decoupling and we're going to see a balkanization of supply chains where East Europe supplies Europe and Mexico supplies America and China supplies the other parts of Asia. So, I suspect that people will have very different perspectives on what sort of what the long-term impacts are, are going to be depending on their sort of their macro view.
0: You know, I get the chance to talk to a lot of different manufacturers in the role that I'm in. And in talking about China and the US specifically, the thing I hear is that some people are like, oh, well, that doesn't affect me at all. All of my manufacturing is in the US. And there's other people who are like, man, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know. And so, yeah. like I said, I don't think anybody knows exactly what's going to happen. But yeah. from your standpoint, your vantage point, somebody that's lived and breathed manufacturing internationally, specifically in China, I'd be curious to know, are there particular industries or particular categories within building products that you think are maybe at most risk or ones that are going to be impacted the most because of these tensions.
2: Yeah, well the first thing I'd say is it really does depend on on the type of products that you're manufacturing and or importing and I would suspect that if there's any degree of sophistication in your product you may not even know what your sub supply chain exposure is to these tariffs. I mean, there's that much complexity, I would say, in in global supply chains. Obviously, if you're just producing a very simple product, a clay brick, for example, then you'd probably have a pretty good sense of where your cost structure lies. But if you're getting more sophisticated and looking at windows, doors, and and a whole range of, of sort of products that really do depend on tightly integrated global supply chains, like I said, you probably haven't seen the impacts of those tariffs yet. So that's something I would try and keep in mind. I would say that there are products and materials that are strategic. We know steel and aluminum, for example, are strategic materials. Rare earth elements aren't such a major component of building products, but if you are into electronics, for example, and and sort of smart home products, then then certainly that would be a, a factor. But products that Materials that would be viewed as strategic, I would suspect, have a longer term to play out in terms of what the impacts are, and there's greater risk there. Other products I would view as more tactical. And for example, we know that President Trump is very clear on his negotiating style. He's written a book about it. And I would say that a number of these product categories that have been hit with high tariffs uh, may fall into that basket of tactical tariffs, which are intended to really force China to the negotiating table and force them to really feel the pain so that in the negotiation, they're they're more willing to make concessions. So I think that's the way that I would lay it out. It's more strategic and more tactical sort of products.
1: David, you said something that I think is really important, which is like, even though this is a very hot topic in the moment, really The real impact of this has yet to be felt, especially by end consumers, maybe even dealers and contractors making the purchase. And that will be felt more in five, six, seven months. What Mm -hmm. would be your advice or what would you recommend that building material manufacturers, how would you recommend they start talking to their channel partners now to prepare them for the potential impact? even if they don't necessarily know the full weight of what that will be?
2: Yeah. I think it depends on the type of products that you're manufacturing. I mean, some products lend themselves to supply chain adjustments more readily than others. And I I would say, what is the anticipated impact of the tariffs on your product and does it really warrant a deep investigation into making some some adjustments or even you know making some pivots away from your existing supply chain i think also the size and the scale of your business and what imports represent as a percentage of that business obviously is going to impact sort of how much time and energy and, and treasure you spend on trying to, to sort of make some of the adjustments that you might be able to make. And, and again, what sort of a team do you have in place that can actually look at some of the alternatives? Some of the alternatives would include looking at other markets. I would say there's a lot of activity in Vietnam currently where we've got product importers shifting their supply chains or, or certainly examining uh, Vietnam as a potential supply market in fact you know even the chinese themselves are setting up manufacturing bases in vietnam there's a port city of uh, haiphong which is on the coast just probably maybe an hour or two's drive from hanoi where the shenzhen state asset administration commission has actually set up an industrial park. Four years ago there was I think four companies there and, and within the last six to 12 months it's actually completely full with 45 different companies and, and it's tapped out and they're looking at potentially expanding that. So the Chinese themselves are establishing supply chains in, in overseas markets including Vietnam, Cambodia, Indonesia and, and Malaysia, and other markets. And, and a lot of importers of goods are looking to those other supply chains. For potential alternatives. I would say that there's an enormous amount of hidden cost in doing that. China's supply chains are so well developed that you have the advantage of scale and speed. I mean, if you can't get this part produced by your existing manufacturer or if if one of your their sub-suppliers goes out of business. I mean, it really is literally just them crossing the road and going to the other supplier of that widget because the way that their production markets are established are really like supermarkets. And so you have this center of window manufacturing in a particular city. And all of the subsuppliers are basically circulating around that core industry in that market. And so their ability to pivot very quickly and to do so at a competitive cost is just something that just can't be replicated in in markets that don't have that scale or that history. So certainly looking at other Asian or other offshore markets for production. And then, of course, this whole uh, notion that we can reshore products and, and start producing locally in the United States. I think there is certainly a percentage of products that that can fit into a sort of a local or a domestic manufacturing model. However, the increase of sophistication of building products and depending on how sophisticated your products are, you're going to have to at some point, I think, at least in the next, in the foreseeable future, rely on on global supply chain. So you
0: will be looking at alternatives. You know, we're going a bit off script on this episode. Like we typically talk about marketing and specifically yeah. like digital marketing. And I, I find yeah. this conversation fascinating because oftentimes like you hear talks about the economy and like two or three minutes in the talk, you're like, all right, I'm about to zone out a little bit because it's a little bit out. I don't think you're doing it all. I really appreciate your insight here, David. But I can hear some of our listeners saying, well, this may not apply to me. Yeah. This may not yeah. matter to my business. Mm-hmm. Frankly, like this doesn't matter to marketing. I think that there's an argument that that is not the case, that there's opportunity for every company, depending upon the climate. I'd be really curious to know what opportunities do you see that manufacturers, regardless of their supply chain, have Mm. to take advantage of the existing climate globally, specifically as it relates to China?
2: Well, some ideas that I would sort of raise are... I would probably use this as a window of opportunity to push back on my suppliers. If you do have Chinese suppliers in particular, it's likely that if they are a large supplier and if they are well-established, they're going to have a much cheaper cost of capital than you do. And depending on their relationships, there may be room for them, if not to reduce costs or reduce prices for you to extend terms for you so you could actually use this as a window to say look we want to keep doing business with you we want to use this opportunity to capture market share because we see our competitors actually losing some ground or struggling with the tariffs and and sort of their cost structure and manufacturing partner we really need you to be able to give us an extra 30 days basically to pay for this because we've got to now pay these tariffs and that's as soon as the product lands, we've got to come out. So can you extend us another 15, 30 days and then stretch out the cash flow that way? So so there, I think there are some tactical things. But again, there's no silver bullet here. You really do have to look at the business on a product-by-product product basis and sort of try and understand what those opportunities might be. You know, from a marketing perspective, you know, trying to play, I think this has been done, so I'm not sure there's much of an advantage here. But trying to play to the Made in America story and trying to say, look, Our products are as far as possible produced in America. And obviously, that's not a very strong marketing message, but it's certainly indicating that, look, we understand that we need to make more of our products in America and we want to. Would it be in the manufacturer's interest to now go out and lobby local government, lobby their representatives to say, hey, we need these things to be put in place in order to allow us to be competitive? And I'm sure there are many businesses that are doing that that very thing and saying, look, if you're going to be creating these barriers to us importing, well, you've got to open doors in other ways so that we can actually deliver the product at the same price and the same quality to our domestic consumers.
0: Other markets outside of China that are looking at this situation and going, hey, there's opportunity now like the, because of, there's this tension between the US and China that they're trying mm-hmm. to jump on. Like You mentioned Vietnam becoming a supply chain partner. So are there other countries or companies within those countries are going, man, you know what, there's now opportunity to be had in the US or other parts of the global economy because of this issue.
2: Yeah, I would say Vietnam is certainly the winner in this time. I think their imports are up about seven to nine percent, basically. And a lot of that is going to the US, Vietnam. But I think and certainly every other manufacturer in indonesia malaysia philippines taiwan certainly is looking at this as an opportunity to increase their their sales into the us market the problem is is that they don't really have india of course as well you know they don't really have the ability to deliver products quickly to deliver products as cost effectively, because they just simply don't have the scale of China. So certainly they're trying, and depending on your product and depending on your industries, manufacturers in those other markets are going to be able to, to gain some market share, if you think of it that way, from Chinese competitors. But also understand that these manufacturers in those markets are importers from China. So in fact, their supply chains often extend into China. That's how integrated these supply markets are. Again, the degree of sophistication of your product is going to the greater the sophistication, the, the greater likelihood that you're going to span multiple production markets in, in terms of the whole value chain. So, so yes, certainly they're looking at this as an opportunity and you've got those folks that are marketing into the U.S. And, and certainly would be increasing their marketing into the U.S. Vietnam first and foremost, I would say amongst them, but they've got their own challenges as well with their own costs because of this tension.
1: David you've given us such good insights i mean this is obviously something that's very topical very in the moment but it's often talked about in just a more global eco- economic scale i think it's so valuable to have somebody on the inside from the building material manufacturer perspective really help us take a deeper dive and share with our listeners how it really could impact them specifically as manufacturers and and the national regional supply chain so one more question i want to ask you before we let you go is Are there any misconceptions or pieces of misinformation that you're hearing be passed around that you think would be important to be addressed specifically for the building material manufacturer company?
2: Misinformation, what do you mean? Like like from the media, from the hype, from the stories?
1: From the hype, from the media, assumptions people are making that as somebody who is a bit closer to the issue is saying that's really probably not going to be the big problem. The big problem is actually... X, Y, or Z that people aren't talking about quite enough.
0: Maybe even things that people aren't thinking about that they should be thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really on the manufacturer end. So I know it's a pretty wide question, but you've seen the the full gamut of working in this space. Like what, I guess the question to Beth, to add on to that and to really consolidate that question is, what misconceptions do you see that people really don't understand about the situation?
2: I think a couple of things that, and I did cover them in some of my comments already, but I would say that the hidden costs of shifting your supply chain to a new market are such a great risk that the potential to save 5, 10, 15% on a sort of a surface calculation of what that product delivered cost is going to be, that's going to disappear it's going to disappear with the additional investment that you're going to have to make in whatever that team is that's going to go in and run that local market it's going to disappear with quality control issues it really is in in many of those markets that you would shift to the lack of quality control regimes, the lack of sophistication is similar to what we saw in China in the 1980s. And basically, you're going back to that period of their manufacturing journey, if you will, as a production economy. I think those hidden costs are often underestimated by manufacturers that don't have a depth of of experience in global supply chains or if they only have exposure to China because they've only been doing that for 10 or 15 years and they they weren't there in the early days setting it up and understanding how difficult and how complicated it was. So I I would say that's probably the biggest misconception. I, I think the second misconception would be that you know, China is a standalone in the region as a producer, and that you could just shift to, for example, Vietnam and have a turnkey solution. Well, there's already been talks and comments from President Trump uh, around applying tariffs to Vietnam because he knows very well that Chinese manufacturers are are shifting their production bases to Vietnam. So I think that you have to, you know, read the, you know, the macro trend here and say, okay, what's really going on? How does this play out? Is this something that's going to be playing out over the next 12 months in the election cycle? Or is this something that's going to be playing out, you know, sort of as an arc of history, as a reaction against globalization, that's going to have some staying power and sort of a great decoupling. So I think that you really have to understand those complexities when you're digging into retooling
0: your supply chain. Well, this has been great, David. You know, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know I had to coordinate some serious time zones.
2: <laughs> it is interesting. Yeah. Now you guys have moved into uh, Colorado as well for the call. So uh, it's a bit more complicated. But yeah, I know it's great to talk to you guys and and happy
0: to have an opportunity to share some of my views. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out, David? Just by email. So
2: d.harris at optimisml.com. So the website for our firm is Optimus Management Limited. So optimisml.com. So they can have a look at the site and and
0: reach me by email. That's awesome. If you want more great content like this, go to benvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikolov. Thanks everybody.
1: You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnicola To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.